0: Two Weeks One Shot is a new tabletop RPG podcast of one-shot adventures played in different tabletop systems with new episodes every two weeks. For those of you who are joining us who aren't used to tabletop games, I'm so sorry for everything we've already done and everything we're about to do. Don't you apologize for me. I've seen it when she doesn't do her hand over her face thing and it's it's disturbing. That's a courtesy. Were you bumping uglies, ma'am? Uh, Is it sexual? I Is it close? Do not Is it intimate? Ha- Is this revenge? I do not have uglies, sir. They are beauties, if anything. Now, here's the weird thing. The cod piece. I don't know if that's entirely necessary for the uniform, but I'll wear it. I'll wear it. I'm not saying no. Why don't you just ask him for it if you're friends? I didn't think of that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you <laughs> can not cut that out. Plot <laughs> hole. I'm sorry that I like put my finger in a bubble. Hey, Jumpkins. Yeah. I love um, you. I-, I love you, sensei. That got real weird. It's been weird. Haven't you been listening? <laughs> Tune in at podbean.twoscast.com. That's Podbean. T W O S Cast dot com. Hello and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the show of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, tabletop RPGs and nerd culture in general. I'm your host, Mike Daniel. Um, And today I'm being joined by a very special guest, our first international guest, uh, joining us all the way from the future. Uh, We have Dan from Nonfiction Gaming. Dan, how's it going? How's the future looking? Uh, That's great, Mike. Um,
1: The future's going pretty well. It's 8 a.m. here
0: uh, on the
1: sunny west coast of Australia. And, uh, look, you got nothing to worry about. I've warmed up the future for you, and uh, it's ready to go.
0: (laughs) All right. Yeah, very much uh, appreciate that, for sure. Um, Looking looking forward to having a good Sunday here uh, in about uh, 15 or about 12 hours (sighs) myself, I guess. So, all right. Um, But, yeah, Dan, so you are – I guess you're here from Nonfiction Gaming to uh, talk with us today a little bit about, like, some tips for – um, new or beginning DMs, so um, yeah. If you can just tell me, you know, a little bit about yourself here, and then we'll kind of get into talking about, uh, you know, how to get started with some D and D, absolutely, or Thank any you. other table tabletop game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm a writer for nonfiction gaming. Uh, it's
1: a website I started back in the day uh, when I was at uni doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to build a writing portfolio. I'd written for a number of other websites. Broke my controller and and whatnot. Doing a lot of freelance work, and then decided I need so needed somewhere to put. A lot of that material and build up that writing portfolio mm-hmm. and I, I threw in with a couple of other friends and we all started writing uh, for this website and sort of as a way to keep our hand in and it's evolved a little bit over the years started off in mostly in video games and uh, and we started writing more guides and in the in the last couple mm-hmm. of years we've, we've really pivoted to talk more about tabletop games and we found that that's Kind of our passion and, and our niche and, um, written a number of guides on how to optimize for your class, you know, how to run a game based on uh, the movie The Hangover and, uh, and a couple of other things as well. <laughs> so, um,
0: Excellent. been really
1: enjoying that side of it. And then, you know, through that, I was also invited to the, uh, diversity lounge at PAX, uh, Australia when that started coming around. And, uh, <clears throat> I put my hand up to teach Dungeons and, Dungeons and Dragons to, to new people who, you know, i have never never interacted with the game before, and so for the last I think it's four or five years now. Uh, annually, we've going going there, setting up, getting new people excited about D and D, rolling dice and miniatures, and then sending them away with awesome. starter packs.
0: <laughs> All right, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Give them the first dose for free, and then uh, keep them coming back. Right. Absolutely. Get get them addicted <laughs> to
1: that plastic crack, and then um, <laughs> then they just want to yeah, go buy those. Yeah, for dice. sure. Those.
0: Uh, the shiny click clacks and the math rocks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. Just creating dice orders there. That's excellent. No, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, just uh, you know, going to uh, to packs there to um, you know teach people how to to play. And obviously, you guys have uh, kind of this um, you know web presence that you've built up here. There's a lot of really great information about different aspects of D anD. d I'm super curious about um, you know how to have the hangover as sort of that take on, on a D and D game. I'll have to check that, uh, those articles out or whatever you got up there yeah. for sure.
1: And, uh, and one other thing, and, and we'll talk about this at the end of the show, but, uh, since, since COVID mm-hmm. and since the lockdown and things like that, you know, I was playing games, um, with mates, you know, as you do, you go out and have a couple of beers and, and go around to a mate's place mm-hmm. and, and roll them bones. Um, but with the lockdown, <laughs> it all, you know, we, we couldn't meet up. And so Mm -hmm. since then, since last year, we decided to take our games online uh, and we've been using Roll20 and and Foundry for our online games. And then because we had a lot of mates who were interested, we decided to start recording it and streaming it. Um, So at the moment, I think I'm running about four or five games Mm -hmm. um, on a a weekly or or bi-weekly basis. And uh, and mostly it's just for for friends or anyone who knows us to kind of come in and tune in and and Mm -hmm. watch. Um, but that sort of crucible trial by fire of oh god I have to have three or four games ready every week, I think has really <laughs> stepped up my DMing mm-hmm. game, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to share some yeah, of those sure. share some of those learnings with your listeners.
0: All right, awesome. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm definitely excited to uh, to learn what tips you've uh, developed over the last year of just running so many games. There, uh, interestingly, for myself, it's kind of been the uh, the opposite. Whereas before you know lockdown here in the US, I was um, you know, running a game in person once a week. I had a an adventurers league game that I was playing like two to three times a, uh, or I guess every two to three weeks I should say. Yep. Um, so that was somewhat regular. And then you know, as a player in a game as well. So just like playing all of the time and running, uh, you know, playing in one off games with some of my other friends and stuff like that. Like there was D every night of the week. It seemed like. Um, but now it's very much parsed down, and I like I have one game that I run online for myself, per- like for my friends, and then I'm a player in a Cyberpunk Red game currently. Um, and that's kind of it, that's all that I've got right now. So, so we've inverted, um, is what I'm hearing. I, I used to play yeah, once, a month it- exactly. Or something, yeah, we've, yeah, we've, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, how the turntable, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, um. But yeah, that's that's awesome. So I guess can you know you mentioned that you got started with um, writing or you know being part of nonfiction gaming at at uni there at university. Um, what got you into like playing D and D or playing tabletop games in in the first place? Sure. So um, I'd always uh, oh, I'd
1: started to hear about it online, and and I think my story is probably very similar to a lot of others, uh, even those who are getting mm-hmm. in, involved in it now you know, I discovered a podcast uh where they played D&D. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the early Penny Arcade uh episodes where they oh, they yeah. did the crossover mm-hmm. with, Wiz- with Wizards of the Coast and they were playing 4th edition. Uh, obviously, Mike Jerry and uh, Scott Kurtz, I think, were sort of the, the first three. And then mm-hmm. Will Wheaton came in. And I remember being sort of blown away by that. I'd, I'd always thought about playing D&D. Um, there was a little bit of aspect mm-hmm. of... Catholic upbringing, you know, was was never
0: really on, on my radar to, to be able to do. D and D's the exactly, yeah. Even even <laughs> down here, yeah. No, I <laughs> I, I grew up in uh, the southern part of the the U S. here in West Texas, which is very much in what we call the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I feel that for sure.
1: And and I think I, I didn't even broach D and d as a subject. I got as close as um the. That, that dungeon uh, that dungeon game by Warhammer or Wizards of the Coast that was like D&D-esque mm-hmm. where it was like the the pre-Gentiles and all this kind of stuff and I remember my family saying oh no that's that's Dungeons and Dragons it's evil etc like, okay fine didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't think about it until I was in high school or, or in university and uh, yeah started hearing these podcasts and I thought oh this is this is cool and th- this is uh, I've now heard someone else play right and and I reckon mm-hmm. I can do that too Um, so I got some friends together and we all hung out in a mate's shed, uh, put a, put a block of wood over the pool table and, uh, and, and run out for, I ran my first (laughs) game of D and D and ran the same, um, same story that I'd heard on that podcast, the Keep on the Shadowfell for fourth edition. Mm -hmm. And what I realized very quickly was that, you know, I had the book, I had the PDF or something and, and I was reading through it and I was like, wow, they didn't cover a lot of this in the podcast, they kind of skipped mm-hmm. a lot of it, mm-hmm. uh, which opened my eyes to the fact that you don't very early that you don't have to run it as is. You can kind of give your own spin on it mm-hmm. and go like, ah, I don't like this. Let's just redline all of this out. Let's add some stuff in here. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and yeah, and from there started playing with that group, you know, every, every month or every couple of months for a few years. And then as we transitioned into to fifth edition, I picked up some other, some other groups of friends who, You'd never consider would want to play D and D, you know the the sort of sporty, um, mm-hmm. bro kind of guys, and uh, and then I, was, I said to them, hey, you know there's a <clears throat> there's a Star Wars D and D, there's a Star Wars tabletop um, game, uh,
0: yeah, and they were sure. like, oh Star Wars, yeah, yeah, I'm all about Star Wars. Let's let's give that a crack. <laughs> right. Oh, D and D's for nerds, but Star Wars, okay. Yeah. yeah exactly. About. Star Wars D and D, and so we ran the the
1: Edge of the Empire start a set and they get okay. yeah. blown away by that and then so once i would warmed them up to the idea of goofing around and, and role play and things like that i was like oh now we can try the real fantasy stuff uh and they they took to mm-hmm. it incredibly what what i thought would would just you know they'd make fun of it or not take it seriously uh they got right in it and they love it right. and i think that kind of shows tabletop rpgs and um, D, star wars whatever you want to play gurps you know, you can find that audience for it and uh, and your mates are probably mm-hmm. just going to have a great time because they're hanging around with you and, and
0: you know, getting some yeah, snacks. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: <laughs> telling mm-hmm. dumb stories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the game that you're playing isn't as important as the fact that you're just, you know, just having fun with your friends, right? Um, and I think that that idea is, is something that's super crucial to get across, especially to uh, new players or new DMs, especially. You know, I, I think the kind of the role of being a dungeon master, or game master, you know, whatever the, the storyteller uh, role is called for your game, that can be a little bit daunting, mm. right? But if you just remember that you're just getting together with your friends and, and having a good time, that's going to ease a lot of that tension and anxiety, or, you know, hope, hopefully that's that's able to there for you.
1: And hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get into it uh, today, and, you know, we keep teasing it, but we'll hopefully give, give some of your listeners the tools to to do that and feel comfortable stepping into that first game, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, and then yeah, for sure you can you can get comfortable enough with it. You know, playing with your friends at sort of low stakes, and then maybe you can run a game for me in the future, you uh, mm-hmm. there listener out there, because I am unfortunately <laughs> one of those forever DMs that gets to play uh, uh, one session mm-hmm. or two as a player, and then it kind of goes on hiatus indefinitely. So if I can if I can create yeah. through through this podcast and through my writing and things like that more dms out there eventually i'll get a chance to play
0: yeah you'll you'll get the chance to play in a in a long-running uh campaign for sure i believe i believe in <laughs> that, absolutely um it's something that i had to search for a long time to to find as well i very much got lucky that one of my friends was like hey i play in this game online you know every every monday night like do you want to hang out with us and play? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. I've been DMing for like four or five years now straight and haven't been able to play a game. So yeah, uh, those uh, those rare moments when the Forever DM gets to actually play as a player is uh, something truly to be cherished for sure. And, and shout um, out to all those
1: Forever DMs out there who, especially like me and, and perhaps like yourself, who started mm-hmm. off with no one willing to run a game and no one wanting to play a game unless someone else ran it. And uh, and you kind of yeah. just step up and, and and make the most of it. And then you go have, you have an incredible amount of fun doing it. Uh, and then, you know, occasionally you get to you get to dip your toe into the player side as well.
0: <laughs> For sure. Well, yeah, Dan, let's let's start with a little bit of these uh, these tips here then. And some of the things that you've learned over the years, you know, if you were talking to someone who says, you know, you're, you're talking to, to me and this is going to be my first time ever running a and d session or any tabletop RPG and we're sitting down to talk about this and you're going to help me get ready. Like, what's your first bit of advice? How, how do I get started with this, Dan? Absolutely. So, Mike, I, I assume you're getting
1: started here. You've listened to maybe some Critical roles, some uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, some some maybe you've been listening to uh the the fancy lads on the non fiction gaming youtube channel but you think you know this is <laughs> this is for me i want to give this a crack and i've started writing all this world building you've got all your notes um i'm going to crush your dreams just a little bit and say okay like, let's put all the weird the crazy world building stuff aside the real the real deep stuff oh but i have this whole <clears> i know and we're going to get to together. it together okay we're going to get to it. we're going to get to that okay but okay the first thing you want to do is at least in my my experience is sort of focus really small you want to you know you've picked your edition Mm -hmm. you want to play dungeons and dragons for example you want to start off very small so your your players aren't going to get overwhelmed um some of the Mm -hmm. best onboarding tutorials you know we think of in video games like world 1 1 of mario um things that kind of ease you into Mm -hmm. the mechanics you know mario doesn't Drop you with this great, huge exposition about who King Bowser is and all this kind of stuff. It just kind of throws you into the world and says, all right, you can go forward now. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you pick up the rest of that stuff as you go along. So look, we're not going to throw out and burn all your, all your cool homebrew ideas. We're just going to put them in, in your OneNote folder to the side for now. And, <laughs> and, okay. and, and you're, okay. you're just going to need three things to start your first D&D game. Um, assuming you've got some dice and pencils and, and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, first up, I highly recommend a session zero. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of DMs and a lot of people talk about this. This is where you get together ahead of the mm-hmm. session, maybe at a different day and you chat with your players about the kind of characters they're going to make. Maybe you help them make characters. You got the books out, you got D&D Beyond, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the main things I would say at this point is, Set expectations with your players about how grandiose or how um, goofy or what kind of vibe you want your game mm-hmm. to have, right? Um, as an example, one of my players uh, from the, that went from the Star Wars game into the D&D game, he said, oh, Dan, uh, we're having a beer. And he said, oh, Dan, I'll, I want to make my character... I'm going to bust your game wide open. I'm going to make my my, <laughs> my character a, floating, a magical tankard of beer. Uh, and I said, okay, okay. <laughs> We can do that, and this is giving me ideas, right? It's right. it's giving me ideas of what kind mm-hmm. of uh, what kind of world you know we're going to live in. It's a bit of Looney Tunes now, I guess. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. well, how about instead of that, because the game kind of assumes you're going to be humanoid, why don't we make you a, a a keg, a magical beer keg, with arms and legs that's like sat in a mm-hmm. wizard's basement for a thousand years, and now you've like now you've come to life, Fantasia style, you know, you've, you've gained sentience. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you know that 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 discussion that session zero, he's happy with that now. Uh, Mechanically, warforged paladin, okay, great. And now I can slot Mm -hmm. that into my world. Okay, so my world has thousand-year-old beer kegs that have made that are possibly sentient. So now that's that's feeding me ideas of well, now my world has an ancient empire that's probably collapsed, and there were great Mm -hmm. brewers and vinters and things like that. So. Starting off with that session zero not only gives your players a bit of time to kind of play around with the space of what they want to do, especially if they don't have a character mm-hmm. idea yet, it'll give you ideas for your world. And whilst you obviously have an idea absolutely. for your world, getting a bit of feedback and, 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 you know, massaging in what your players want is going to make just
0: for a, a much better game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Second, uh, oh, sorry. absolutely. I mean, yeah. just to, If it's all right to just kind of build on top of that. And this is more of an example of like I started a campaign rather than just like, you know, my very first session. But I had that exact session zero just a few, uh, I guess, about two months ago now with my Eberron game that I play at, at home. Um, and I, you know, I knew a lot about Eberron. I kind of picked out a lot of the different pieces and things that I wanted to play around with, but I didn't really have like a campaign put together per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, but we had this session zero and I just talked with my players about like who their characters are and kind of what their individual goals might be. And that discussion sort of gave me the hints about which of these threads that are out there in the Eberron world that I can start pulling on and kind of start weaving that together into a story.
1: Absolutely. And, and that ties very, very well into my next uh, one, which is as you're talking to your players around the table about you know, their goals or their characters' goals, have them mm-hmm. come up with ways that they are tied into each other. So I found this and Mm -hmm. this is through trial and error. You know, I make the mistakes hopefully so so that you don't have to. I've had games where every character has this, you know, sort of unique goal and there's no, you know, we, we jumped into it, we started playing and then we realized there's no reason for them to all be friends or be together or work together.
0: Right. Right. Uh, had to, Just a bunch of murder hobos on, in a tavern. That's right. Yeah. You know, there's, the same thing, there's, so. there's five of them in the shadiest corner of the tavern, the five separate corners of this full four cornered <laughs> yes. room. And they're all dark and brooding. Uh, that's, it's, it's almost like you're describing my very first uh, D20 modern yeah years, <laughs> so, absolutely and look, yeah. look,
1: we've all run those games and, and, and look the, yeah. there's a, a stereotype for a reason your strider in, uh, in in lord of the rings aragon you know brooding in the yep. corner etc mm-hmm. we all want to be that cool riddick character um but you need a way for them to to tie into each other and this is something and we'll, right. we'll talk about pre-gen um starter sets probably a bit later but some of those do that really well with the pre-gen characters um where they say Mm -hmm. okay well these these two were friends in the fighting arena or this this cleric was the healer in this compound and helped this person escape or something so give them give them some ideas and some reasons why their characters Mm -hmm. are loyal to each other and why they're adventuring Mm -hmm. together um i found that some sometimes sort of it's a bit flimsy to hold them together with you were all contracted separately for this one job because when that job ends right. or they kill you know, the, 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 goblin Lord or whatever, what's keeping them together? Um, they need that.
0: Yeah. They can all just be like, all right, peace. I'm going to go do my own thing now. Bye. Exactly. <laughs> and and if it's just, for sure. if it's
1: just money, it's very hard for them. Yeah. It it, or it can be hard for them to justify. Mm-hmm. Why am I going in there to save your life? if, uh, or why would my character go in there to save your life um, if if I'm just here for the coin? Uh, so so right. have, having some kind of backstory or some kind of loyalty, like we traveled together at the very least, or you know family members, mm-hmm. or he saved my life, or something like that. You can you can lean on the stereotypes, you know Han and Chewie. Uh, yeah, the tropes exist for a reason. Absolutely, hundred percent. And then you can you can play with them and kind of stay in that trope space for a bit, and then you start to weave in mm-hmm. your own twist on them as the story progresses and as the story evolves they'll they'll get into other situations and uh and and go from there so um yeah i think i think start with those tropes uh and then and then and then put your own twist on it but but tying those players in together uh so they have a reason to Mm -hmm. cooperate is is definitely going to make your life a lot easier
0: yeah absolutely um and i know you've talked a little about like just Uh, some of the pre-gen characters um, doing that in the uh, the starter sets and I I definitely want to dig into that a little bit more because I didn't get that far Um, but we'll we'll talk about that here in a second I just want to shout out one other uh, game or um, I guess really like game system that has a lot of iterations to it that does this really well and that's the the Powered by the Apocalypse games Mm -hmm. Um, as you were creating your your characters um you have like a history that you you read through with um you know and and you all sit there and pick out okay well this is my one tie to this person and this is how they're tied to me and this is how it you know kind of affects things mechanically as well um it's uh, yeah very very interesting and i i definitely think that those sorts of um you know interconnectedness can be super important for sure Uh, interestingly enough when we put together things for my eberron campaign we all talked about like their kind of individual goals and how that all brought them to the same place Mm -hmm. Um, but then we sort of figured out their relationships from what once they had met for the very first time all coming together to work Um, so we didn't really they didn't really have like you know uh, much backstory per se Mm -hmm. but we set up the idea that like they've had like one job together that they've all done and now they know each other a little bit and here are some of the dynamics that have sort of popped up as a result of that absolutely and
1: there's, there's some great resources out there uh for
0: for those kind of questions and,
1: and as you said some some systems actually come with them built in uh into that character creation mm-hmm. process but if they're not there you can steal those ideas and put them in another system right so Ask, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, take take from the best and, and and make it your own. So you can take from from that system and go, okay, well, let's let's translate that into Dungeons and Dragons. How, how do you have a connection or, um, mm-hmm. or or a backstory tied into this person? What is? Um, and, and I had actually sent my characters a questionnaire, and and I'll we'll, I'll link to it um, so that anyone can copy it and send it out as a as a Google questions form for their readers. You know, trim out the questions you don't need and <clears throat> that kind of thing. But the questions end up, you end up asking them. And, and this is what session zero is really good for is, you know, what is something that your character would kill to learn? What are, mm. um, what is who is, you know, describe to me a character in your, in, in your, uh, an NPC in your character's backstory that you have wronged in the past, right? Mm. Um, nice. And, and, and go into that kind of detail and, and players know and especially savvy players who have been watching or, or a lot of games or play before will know oh, okay you're mining for stuff to be able to screw them over later with right uh, <laughs> right who's who's that family <laughs> All member the things you you care we use to manipulate our friends with. yeah, yeah who's that absolutely. family member you you care about so much that, that that the dm can can murder later down the track um mm-hmm. But you, you know, you can even be upfront with them that that's what you're doing it for mm-hmm. and they'll know that you're, yeah. you're going that extra level to, um, to, to give them that fun experience. And I, I, I think they'll play along. I mean, if you've got good friends and, and I'm sure you do because you listen to this podcast that, uh, <laughs> that they'll play along with you because they want to have that fun experience too, where, um, you know, you put their, their long lost sister in danger and they have to go
0: rescue her from the, the warlock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to address what you said there, I I definitely believe that all of our listeners are amazing people as are their their friends, I'm sure. So um, 100%. Uh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um and yeah, those types of um, you know, personal stakes uh are just great for, you know, creating dynamic characters in, in the first place and It's almost like you had just listened to the conversation I was having in our last episode, even though that's not out yet. I mean, that's one of the things that we really talk about is these sort of like personal ties that you have and the regrets – Ah, uh, that you uh, for things that you've done, ways that those sort of in influence your character. Those are things that you, as a as a DM for your players, can use to uh, influence the game that you're going to play and kind of pull on those threads and use those those pieces to you know fit together the narrative. Um, like you said, you know, threaten their uh, beloved sister <laughs> or kidnap their you know. <laughs> their only living relative or you know whatever that might be for them
1: absolutely and and the, the other thing about session zero which you know if you tell your friends hey go make a character and then bring it to session zero and we'll massage it into place and, and work out the finer details you can avoid pitfalls where i i think in, in my campaign where it was the first time playing the, the fantasy D&D and the first time making their own characters mm-hmm. um i think three out of five of the players came in saying that they were raised by wolves um you know, that they, that, that their family had died and that they were raised by wolves or, or raised yeah. out in the bush or something. And I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe yeah. let's, you know, they all, they all, all right, went to that well, same trope. And I, I was like, oh, great. But um, how do we, how do we spin this now? Right. Maybe mm-hmm. you all met each other in the woods, um, or, or, or something, uh, and, and, and play around with it. Whereas if you don't we're have all raised by the same pack of, wolves, yeah, we, you know, you can play around with that idea. <laughs> If, if you, if you don't have the session zero and everyone just shows up with their own characters, you know, one of them's a Looney Tunes keg creature. The other one's the, (laughs) the sexy, sexy bard. And then one's the, uh, the raised by wolves monk. And then the other one's raised by wolves, but he's an orc, but he was different wolves. Like he's got his own idea. Like (laughs) it starts getting a bit ridiculous. But if you, if you have that session zero, you know, your, your friends are going to be reasonable and and you go, okay, look, I love that idea. What do Mm you, you know, let's distill down. The, the juice for you what's going to be fun about this character okay can we meld some of these other ideas right. into my world or into into your fellow players and and kind of go from there so you avoid those kind of uh awkward
0: moments <laughs> when they're describing their backstory, <laughs> right like oh everyone was raised by wolves but all okay yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Session zeros are, are super vital, even if it's just like a quick you know, conversation that you're you're having or if you're going to maybe set up like a group chat where everyone mm-hmm. can kind of talk about these things before because you don't know if you're going to be able to you know, keep something running and you just want to do like a one shot. Like, absolutely. These types of conversations are still vital and can be kind of condensed down um, to, you know, make sure that everyone can you know, be engaged and have a good time. Um even if you're just doing like a one shot or something. Yeah.
1: And and speaking of one shots, let's, I guess uh, I want to talk now about starting with that first small scope adventure and maybe it's a, it's a one or two Mm -hmm. session worth intro campaign that is going to set the tone for the rest of your big homebrew, which I haven't forgotten about. I know it's there in the, in the, in the drive folder ready to go. (laughs) Um, and but it's starting out small in the backwater town, you know, Witcher 3 has the, is the starter town that you go into and then never go back mm-hmm. to. Uh, but <laughs> right. all the little bits in that around the little quests around that town kind of get you ready for the grander mm-hmm. adventure that's to come. Um, so my, my advice on this, so we've, we've done your session zero. You've learned about the characters. Um, they, they all tie into each other, etc. So you don't actually mm-hmm. need to have now. For the real session, the real session one, you don't need to have the you start in a tavern. I mean, it's great. It's classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've used it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. And, and you can use it. But I've found, especially with new players, that starting in a tavern gives players too much open space to play with. Uh,
0: and they can right. sometimes yeah, too get too much freedom. They have. Yeah. Like option paralysis
1: almost. Absolutely. And, you know, you say, oh, you're all in the tavern and there's, like, uh, I order food or uh, I <laughs> right. look at the thing. <clears throat> or maybe, you know, they try and d- they describe their characters and they all feel a little bit uneasy. And and uh what I found, and mm-hmm. this is through uh, years of playing, but also just like reading how a lot of these starter sets are put together, is mm-hmm. starting with action. And starting sort of in media res uh, which is a term mm-hmm. you and your, readers, your listeners might have heard before uh, it's, it's a lot of the way the Star Wars films start you know they, they, they give the crawl the, the bit mm-hmm. of background you know you're in this town this has been happening with the Empire that's all pretty far away etc but then bam you're in the
0: middle of a starship fight or there's some kind of battle going mm-hmm. on. Um, right so start so like starting on the action, yeah. Not just uh, you know just kind of giving them. Oh, here you're all here. So what do you do? It's like no, you're you know walking through the woods trying to get to this this town that's coming up. Yeah. Um. You know, here's kind of what's going on. Like, how do you guys react to to what you're seeing there?
1: Absolutely. And and so in the, in your walking to town example, you could have you know you've all been you you've just finished a job together. You're all heading back to town. You know, it was all right. It paid mm-hmm. okay. And you're on the road, uh, back into town, and then all of a sudden, there's fire. You know, you see, you see lights, uh, lighting up the night sky, smoke billowing out from the mm. town ahead mm. of you, and you hear the howl of wolves, and you have a moment to act before you think these wolves will be upon you or whatever, right? And, um, so you've given them a bit of a setup, <clears throat> and then, mm-hmm. bam, they have moments to act before they, or they've, they each have a chance to make a decision. That mm-hmm. has to have almost like a clear goal. Hey, there's wolves coming. I'm going to prepare, get my swords out, find a hiding position, take cover, something like that. And it, it sort of narrows their focus. So they, they don't get that analysis paralysis you're talking about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the, the, the lost minds of Fandelva, which is, I'm sure is a lot of people's first D&D fifth edition game. I've, I've run it a, a number of times, uh, for, for the diversity lounge. It has a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. about introducing them etc but the real juice starts with you're on a cart you're driving down the road you know tell me where you're on the cart, sure but then Mm -hmm. you see a a dead a dead horse in the middle of the road what do you do um and that gives them each Mm -hmm. a chance to make a decision and then bam we're into combat now and and you go right um the star wars Enter the empire starter set starts very similarly you and your friends, the pre-generated characters, you've all escaped from the the hut, uh, Timo. You're running away. You've disabled your slaver collars or whatever, um, and you're being chased by these Gamorians. You duck into a cantina. You have a moment to do something before the guards arrive. What do you do? And so each character, you know, maybe you hide behind the bar, maybe yeah. you hide up, you know, or, or try and blend in or something. And then the guards arrive. And if they, if you did well at the maybe initial skill check. You have the drop on the guards. If you don't, the guards have the drop on you. Uh, or it's just a normal combat. So so both of those starter sets have a very similar theme, which is dropping you kind of mm-hmm. in the action to a certain extent, maybe giving you a chance to get an advantage on that first attack um, with, with clever clever rolling, but then bam, you're in the, in the fight. And this gives you the opportunity to start teaching your players the basic mechanics of your game. Um, a lot of tabletop RPG well, specifically D&D is very combat, combat focused as much as we love the role mm-hmm. playing and the story and, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the critical roles and, and, you know, trust me, true believer, you'll get there too. You'll be able to tell these amazing stories and you'll, you'll end up having sessions where mm-hmm. no dice were touched. You know what I mean? And, and yep. it was just role mm-hmm. play the entire time. It does happen, but teaching them the underlying
0: mechanics of that first battle, I think is very important. So. Here's how we roll dice. Yeah, giving your players the chance to actually interact with the system and the game that they're playing is uh you know almost immediately. Yeah, super vital for sure. So in our in our other
1: example, uh let's just say the Lost Minds of Fandelver example, you're all on Mm -hmm. the car, you know, there's a horse up ahead, it's you know, it seems to be dead in the road. What do you do? Okay, Mike, what do you want to do? Uh I I'm gonna I'm gonna scout around and or look around to see if I notice anything strange. Okay, cool. This is, is, now we're going to do what's called a skill check, you know, take the d20, roll the dice, add it to your perception, and this is how it is, and you're laying groundwork, you're laying the foundations for that system, Um, and you're introducing one mechanic at a time, so each person gets to go through and see all their friends do a skill check and learn what a skill check is, maybe, you know, they get to look at their, their, their character sheet for the first time, and then, okay, this is what's happened, now we're going to roll initiative. So take mm-hmm. that D20 again, you know, roll initiative, or if it's, you know, the Star Wars system, you roll cool or something, you know, every every system's got its own way of, mm-hmm. of working out uh, initiative order. And you explain that to them and, and kind of go through it with them. Mm-hmm. And then it's, okay, this is a combat now, so you're going first, etc. Because you did really well or you scouted ahead, I'm going to give you advantage or I'm going to give you a boost or you get to go first, surprise mm-hmm. round, whatever it is. Um, and they feel like oh I've earned this yes I've got the I've got the leg up on it right because you gave them that opportunity and then you teach them combat maybe a couple of rounds you know the goblins run away if it's too difficult I know that first that first combat encounter in Lost
0: Minds can sometimes TPK players um, <laughs> yeah for sure I I think just like first level adventurers in general die very easy. So you have to be super careful about how you use combat early on. Yeah. Um, in that sense. So don't,
1: so don't be afraid of, of building a combat where the the first people they encounter are kind of cowardly. So, you know, goblins are mm-hmm. shooting at them. They get maybe get a couple of shots in. They lose someone themselves and then they start running. If you think it's, well, I don't want to kill my, I, I don't want to introduce my brand new players and destroy the characters they worked so hard on. <laughs> in session one. Right. Um feel free to, you know, ease back a little bit, play the play the goblins as dumb. They are pretty dumb. Gamorian guards uh-huh. in, in Star Wars, I think canonically idiots, uh you know, stormtroopers mm-hmm. miss mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um or maybe <laughs> right. retreat to get back up or something like that. And then let them have that, you know, hopefully victory, and then go, okay, well here you know, and lay out two maybe two or three paths in front of them, but then let them sort of branch out mm-hmm. a little bit from there um i typically try and prepare one combat with a new group one combat at the start some sort of skill challenge to maybe get them to the next area and then Mm -hmm. a another battle that can lead into sort of a boss battle um and in in the lost minds example that's the the goblin ambush on the road tracking the goblins Mm -hmm. through the um through the forest to get to their their hideout uh and then Perhaps some more skill challenges. I've, I've had groups at, at PAX where they didn't even go into the cave. They, uh, one of them decided to, oh, really? to set up a, um, a, a pork bun stand, uh, out the front, uh, <laughs> and sort of, you know, get the bard to be like a town crier, like, oh, we've got this new food, food mm. cart out the front and da 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 da. And so the goblins came out <laughs> and they convinced, um, convinced them to let them, you know, challenge Clark to a duel or something, right? Um,
0: <laughs> yeah just wheeling him a food cart along out here in the forest right next to this cave yeah and so so those oh, games great. like you get the, <laughs> that goofy
1: kind of vibe where anything's possible it's yeah. kind of like animaniacs or, or looney tunes to a certain extent <laughs> right yeah yeah absolutely and then there's other people who go okay um, we're gonna sneak in and it's you know uh, metal gear solid mm-hmm. and, and we're gonna assassinate all these goblins etc but that that then you know lets you ease into that they, they now have a, another combat encounter where maybe it's a little bit more tactical they, they've they got the drop on these uh these goblins and then eventually they've got sort of a mm-hmm. big boss they have to deal with um before getting that kind of mini victory and opening up the rest of the story i think that's where they end up discovering the uh sildar hall winter in the lost mm-hmm. minds campaign and he gives them information about how gundron was taken and the, and the wider story etc so um but a lot of that can be done in that first session, maybe one or two sessions, depending on how, how much time you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the ingredients that I've distilled it down to for me and my new players on, um, on how to get them involved and how to get them started in that, in that first thing. Start them out with a combat, introduce the underlying mechanics of the system, mm-hmm. move into a skill challenge, explain how you're going to do the skill challenge, whether it's like the old fourth edition, they're going to get six successes before three failures or something. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they'll get the drop on the creatures when they get to the cave or less mechanically. You know, you just have them go through and and they roll dice and maybe they they have a bit of a chance Mm -hmm. to role play with each other. And then they get to have a big, big battle with a, with a sort of boss and get to feel like heroes, save somebody, hopefully, and also get some sweet Mm -hmm. loot because I think we all, (laughs) we've all (laughs) been conditioned to like the, like those numbers.
0: Yeah, all, all the the shinies or the magic items that do cool things. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I wanna I I wanna kind of touch on a couple of points that you you made there and just sort of expand on a a few things there, um, particularly the idea of just not necessarily railroading your players but keeping them on task in a sense mm-hmm. of like, oh well, this is about to happen, so what do you do? Right? I, we, we talked about how the uh, analysis paralysis or option paralysis or, you know, whatever you want to call it in the in the tavern can be a little bit overwhelming for players there because you just, just kind of ask them, okay, well, you're in the tavern. What do you do, right? Mm. If you can sort of frame the options in such a way, and even if you are starting in a tavern, like, okay, well, you know, you see this guy kind of bustle his way past the 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 door and he's harassing someone at the um at the bar now like how, how do you react to that right like give your your players options and kind of um kind of moment to moment goals to be t- t- chasing after rather than just saying okay well you know you're here so wh- what are you what are you going to do right you kind of um kind of i guess it's a little bit keeping them on rails or sort of, sort of like guiding them like you know shepherding them in the right direction
1: yeah and i think that's absolutely fine you know there is you know a certain amount of oh no you know you've got to be able to give your characters freedom and you don't want to railroading Mm. seems like a very loaded Mm -hmm. term right um right but i think especially in the beginning you've got to remember you know training wheels are there for a reason when you're learning to ride a bike right Uh, i mean when i go to when i if i ever go bowling I try and ask them to put the guardrails up for me, uh, even though I'm a grown man, <laughs> um, cause I'm just not very good at it or I'm, you know, I'm sort of beginner level. Mm-hmm. I need, I, I would like that assistance. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to know where I'm meant to be throwing the ball, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of guide it in a certain way. Now, once your players have,
0: or, unless your players have said, look, we want open world. We want to be able to go anywhere and do anything but i think right yeah if you've had that conversation in session 0 that they want you know a total sandbox mm. uh options then that's that's what they want and that's you know what you can play but and
1: yeah. and look i'll never you know i could never stop your uh charismatic and handsome reader uh, listeners from from doing that but i would just caution that <laughs> as a new dm especially with new players i think it's better to Have a bit of constraint to begin with. Start out with that session Mm -hmm. one, two, three, you know, do a little bit of that entry level kind of, uh, foundation building. And then from there, Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll probably then have, have the kind of, uh, skill set built up even at that point that you might go, you know what? All right. Let's branch away from this, Mm -hmm. from this goblins, um, goblins encounter. If you've ever listened to, uh, the adventure zone by the McElroy brothers. Mm. They, yeah. they start mm-hmm. off doing that, um, that Goblins, uh, Lost Minds of Fendelver. They start there and then they branch in a completely different direction once I think they've got the hang of it right. and once the, the, the DM has it, has his own ideas of where he wants it to go. And mm-hmm. you can kind of, a lot of these starter sets, you can usually branch in any direction from there, um, the, the Lost
0: For sure. And- yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say Lost Minds kind of does that for you a little bit as well. I was actually reading through it the first time today because when we had chatted before about, uh, you know, our, our episode today, you had mentioned that you use Lost Minds, And I'm like, well, I've never actually read through that or played it myself. I think I've, you know, maybe watched some uh, uh, actual plays where people are doing that first goblin encounter mm-hmm. and then the uh, the goblin cave there, but haven't really, you know, looked into it much beyond that. Um, And I think it does exactly what you're talking about here. You know, these first couple of encounters uh, and going into the cave, it's sort of keeping you on rails a little bit, but then you get to Fandaland and then, you know, beyond that, and it starts to open up more and more and gives you a lot of sort of branching paths and things that you can explore, your players can explore from there. Um, But even still, it's sort of this, like, freedom within boundaries, right? They have these certain tasks that are on the table and they need to investigate or, you know, complete all of them, um, in order to get to the point, you know, at the end. Right. So, um, yeah, it was just interesting how (laughs) your, your advice here kind of follows the, uh, the exact, um, I guess outline almost of, of the adventure, which is, uh, kind of awesome. I... <laughs> yeah. And look, I'm not, I, I
1: won't claim to have invented it or anything like that. Right. I, I've looked at a couple of these starter sets, even um, keep on the Shadowfell, which was the first real adventure I ever ran for fourth edition. Uh, Had mm-hmm. that there's, there's a little bit on the road to get to the town you need to be at. And then you kind of get the main quest that takes you to the keep or takes you to uh, under Phandalin, um, you know, to the lost mine itself or, or beyond mm-hmm. the star Wars game. I think does it very cleanly. The edge of the empire escape from Moshuta. Uh, you, you hide from the Gamorrean guards. You have to, um, you know that there's a ship, uh, a freighter ship, you know, a Millennium Falcon-esque ship that you could steal, but you need a part. You have to go to do Mm -hmm. maybe a a sort of a social diplomacy kind of interaction to steal or, Mm -hmm. or buy the part you need to get the hyperdrive working. You get into another battle with some stormtroopers and then there's kind of a boss bounty hunter guarding the ship before you leave. And uh, and then from there, you know, you've activated your hyperdrive. You could be anywhere in the Star Wars world. You could go anywhere. There are mm-hmm. printed adventures that you can continue with. Or if you've got your
0: own ideas for your campaign, the the world is your mollusk from that point. You can kind of just go wherever. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, some really, really great uh, framework there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um... And just, you know, kind of touching on one other uh, idea that had had come up with your examples earlier when you were, you know, you were asking me, you know, what I do in this exact specific situation. Mm -hmm. I think as a DM, you know, it's important to, or a GM or whatever, it's important to keep everybody involved. So if you see, you know, players that haven't interacted in a while or, you know, they might seem like they are kind of disengaging a little bit, just ask them, you know, what their character is doing in that moment. Right. And, and having a, a written, you know, maybe marching order or whatever order everyone's like sitting in on the card or whatever it is um, can just kind of help you tick through that list and make sure you touch on each character to get you know what's going on with them keeping that player and engaged and in the moment there Um, and you can just sort of use that or even sometimes like rolling initiative can be super helpful for those instances as well Um, just to kind of put things in an order and make sure that you're kind of going through that list of players and you know they're familiar or any like sidekicks that they might have or you know whatever other things they've got going on with them kind of see what's up with them in that moment um and how they're reacting to you know whatever it is that's going on in the game whether it's the dead horse or you know you you have run all of the goblins off so let's go around and see what each individual person is doing now that combat has kind of wrapped up right
1: yeah, and I think that's a that's a great tip that you can maintain that initiative order, or have your own kind of uh, as long as you've got a list and you kind of go maybe just go around the table mm-hmm. um, to make sure that people aren't forgotten. Because especially as your mm-hmm. as your group gets bigger, five six players are uh, kind of the upper limit of what I'm willing to run these days uh, if I can if I can help mm-hmm. it. Um For sure. But a lot of people want to play, right? So you don't want you don't want to let let people down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be easy that you know if it hasn't been your turn in a while uh, or maybe you missed out your last turn because you were unconscious and so on you didn't get to do much it's very easy in this day and mm-hmm. age for for us for players to get distracted um, and pulling them right. back into that moment they're
0: on you know you're on their phone or just doing whatever it's really easy to kind of disengage so absolutely yeah. and
1: and they can get a bit bored because they're, maybe they're not as interested and uh i know that there's, mm-hmm. there's other people who can probably talk better to to making sure you get your, your buy-in from your players but i think your tip mike is is really good of going okay well what is your character doing in this moment you know the the goblins lie dead around you um you know sir mike of the blade what you know what do you do <laughs> and then and then you you, yeah. you let me know and i go oh, okay Catherine. you know uh you you're standing up on the cart where you were where you released your last arrow you know maybe give them a little bit of a refresher of where their character is mm-hmm. and go what are you do- what mm-hmm. are you doing now and so maybe she'll say oh, i hop down and you know secure the bodies or, or whatever it is right um yeah. and give them something to do even if you're just maintaining initiative order outside of combat so you make sure everyone gets a turn and then once everyone's sort mm-hmm. of in that flow again it will probably organically evolve as characters start talking or coming up with ideas right. and you can kind of abandon the uh the the direct initiative, at least for a little while.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think just having just some some sort of, um, you know, whether it's written order, initiative, marching order, whatever you want to use, or just like you mentioned, going around the table once we're all able to play in person again. um, Those will be the days. (laughs) Um, Just uh, making sure you're touching in with everybody to kind of keep them present and in the moment. Um, so that they don't kind of drop out for, for too long. I mean, like giving them breaks is is fine. And uh, it's actually one of my like big pieces of advice to all DMs is to to take breaks for yourself and for your players. Mm. Um, but you don't want people to disengage and take, you know, too be, to te- step too much away from the game while the game is being played. Right. So yeah. kind of just going around the table or down the initiative order or whatever it is. touching base with each player kind of seeing what's going on with them it's just going to keep them that much more involved
1: absolutely and and that's probably a lot easier to do at a real table and and you know uh, Mm -hmm. i assume a lot of players or a lot of dms are maybe going to start in this day and age on roll 20 or fantasy grounds or or foundry Uh, Mm -hmm. it can be hard especially if you don't have face to face to keep people engaged you know people are checking their twitter or I've certainly run mm-hmm. into it in my games where, you know, we, we stream our games on, on Twitch and YouTube. So, uh, some of those guys are, you know, in the chat interacting, not paying attention when it's not mm-hmm. their turn. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're alt tabbed or, or, right. or grinding on RuneScape or something. Um, and it's okay to have that <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get their, <laughs> getting their skills up. It's okay to have that conversation with them and say, Maybe it doesn't have to be in the moment, but it's uh, hey, like mm-hmm. I, I really want us to focus up on this, but mm-hmm. let's do this for an hour and then we'll have a 15 minute break or, mm-hmm. a, or a 20 minute break and then we'll get back into it because some people have those kind of different attention spans. Uh, they can't commit mm-hmm. to that kind of, you know, mental overhead focusing on one task for so long. They need time to free their right. mind, get a glass of water, you know, have some snacks, whatever, check their phone. Mm-hmm. And then they can give you their full attention again. Um so don't be too, too discouraged if, if some people are kind of waning a bit. Maybe that's the good time to mm-hmm. to have a have a break. Hey, let's take
0: 15 minutes. I'm gonna to go to the loo, whatever, splash my face. Right. And, and then we'll get back into it. Yeah, and, and give yourself a break as a DM, right? I think one of the kind of more daunting aspects of being a DM or a GM is that it's it's kind of always your turn. You know, even when the players are taking their turns, like you still have to be engaged with what they're doing so you can see or decide how the world reacts to what actions they're taking. Right. So you don't really in the midst of playing as a DM, you don't really get to sort of disengage or drop out when it's not your turn because it's are sort of always have to be on. Um, and that can be tough. Right. Like you, you mentioned that some of the players don't always have those big attention spans like that's you know you that can be ha- true for a, D- a DM just as well. Right. Mm. So giving yourself that time to you know, step away think about something else or maybe if your players have presented a question to you and you don't know the answer for it or they say they want to pursue a certain, uh, you know, quest line or, oh, well, the goblins ran off this way but I got completely lost and I want to run off this mm-hmm. other direction into the forest. Like, where is that going to take us? You as a DM might need to. A- step away from the table and be like, OK, well, let me think about how this is going to work out because I don't have the answer right offhand. Mm-hmm. So let's just take five or ten. You know, I'll use the bathroom, grab some water or whatever, grab a snack. And then, as I'm doing all of that, I'm going to figure out how I'm going to react to what the players just told me that they're going to do. Absolutely, right? and um. and I think you know, if, they, if they if they're good friends or even randoms, I, I think most people will understand mm-hmm. that you're
1: not as the DM, you're not infallible. You're not the Matt Mercer or 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 or, <laughs> right. or or whatever, right? Um, you you maybe need a bit of time, and I've been upfront with my players <clears throat> about that a number of times. Mm-hmm. Where usually we play for three hours um uh, weekly on our weekly session and sometimes i've gotten to about mm-hmm. two hours in and they've done something that's just completely blown me away and and gone in a weird direction <laughs> right. and i've said as
0: players are want to do yeah,
1: yeah as, as they do and i said okay cool here's you know maybe i do a little bit of improv like here's what's starting but we're gonna have to end it here this week um just because mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna need time to to kind of work out the repercussions of of what you've just done and then maybe you spend the next mm-hmm. hour just chatting about like cool shit that happened in the game and you know oh my god i can't believe this <laughs> right. happened you're still there you're still having fun yeah. you're still you know doing the the dnd thing but it it takes away the expectation that you the dm have to be ever prepared all the time and and if i can right. instill that into your listeners and your, your potential dms out there you know sure you can have a bit of prep and there's plenty of videos on how to prep mm-hmm. sly flourish the lazy dm guide to prep is one that i use and and i mm-hmm. highly highly uh, recommend it but sometimes you're not prepared for what they do uh, even if they're following the main story, maybe you've only prepared a couple of encounters. Mm-hmm. You thought that was going to last you, but they circumvented it in a in a way you didn't expect.
0: Right. And yet,
1: yeah, maybe you take a 15-minute yeah, break and you go, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I can throw some wolves or some goblins at them to buy me time. Or maybe you go, mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna need more than that. I'm gonna need a week or two to to really prepare right. this next encounter. And you can say to them, look, I want it to be good for you. I don't, I don't want to just throw something out there. I want to make sure I've got it. I've got it Mm. right, and they'll appreciate
0: that. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I had that exact thing happen to me in a campaign uh, last year. We, um, The party had, you know, sort of several threads that they were pulling. There was some political intrigue going on in Baldur's Gate. Um, but I had put a a plot hook in front of them to sort of take them away from the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, well, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, enough of a deadline on that. So we're actually going to focus on the political intrigue this episode and kind of go investigate um, these uh, this, you know, this other mystery that we've got going on inside of Baldur's Gate. I'm like. Okay, fine. Let's <laughs> let's roll with that. I'll keep that going as much as I can. Um and I and I knew they were going to get to this, you know, this no or this merchant's like warehouse and underneath that there was gonna be um some sort of like hidden, you know, dungeon that they were gonna have to go through that was like a, a cult. Um, hideout or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't have any of that prepared, so I I found a map that was going to be the uh, the warehouse, and they kind of explored around and got to a point where they were rolling really high on like all of their investigation checks. I'm like, okay, cool, like you're definitely gonna find this this trap door here. Yep. Um, But I don't have the dungeon prepared, so what we're going to do is we're going to end the session a little bit early here. I'm going to leave you with this cliffhanger of you find the dungeon uh, entrance, uh, you know, you click on the thing, and this part of the floor slides away, revealing this hidden staircase that you didn't see before. It's, you know, dark and dank and gloomy down there, and that's where we end. Um, So that I can have, you know, a week to prepare and put this dungeon together that i had like only c- vaguely conceptual at yeah. <laughs> this point so and i think yeah. you know as, as much as as we can give tips to
1: to you know burge, um burgeoning dms new dms uh, and i think that's that's, mm-hmm. that's a real sort of underlying message there which is it's okay to be honest with your players that it, you're not ready mm-hmm. or, or you've, you've only prepared up to a certain point they'll understand you're human mm-hmm. too maybe they'll bring you extra snacks or, or red bulls next time to, to <laughs> right. give you that energy but Ending on that cliffhanger. I think I like I just heard that and went, That's brilliant. That's a great idea. Because how many shows have you watched an episode where it's ended and it felt like it ended too soon? You're like, oh but I really want the next thing. And <laughs> your, right. your players will feel the same way. You've sort of built up this hype. Um may and, and and this would let you as well, going back to the in media res thing, lets you start that next session in the midst of the action. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, right. they find they find the, the the switch and opens the trap door and they go inside, you know, you step inside in the gloom, you hear the dripping of water and that's where we'll end it for this week. And then next week you pick up as, you know, you could even just mm-hmm. say, Oh, you've taken a couple of steps in. You've done this. All right. What have each of you done as you've entered, you know, same thing again, we did in the first session. Yeah. Oh, you, you checked out, you lit a torch, Da da And then bam, bats come out mm-hmm. of the gloom and, and strike at your face. Or there's a guard who calls out a, um, you know, who goes there or, or whatever it is, you can then start mm. in that high action octane uh, beginning of the next session again, get everyone super hyper-focused, and then lead into the mm. rest of the session. So uh, I think ending on those cliffhanger points is, is a great thing to do. Um, I've ended on, uh, you know, uh, an arrow comes out of the darkness and strikes you, we're going to roll initiative next week. And then they're just like, Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah, I didn't Absolutely. And, and, you know, part of that is covering for the fact that I didn't have that encounter prepared. I just knew there'd be an encounter, mm-hmm. but I didn't have all my, you know, my stat sheets and all this kind of stuff ready to go. But then I knew that I could get that ready for next week. And it would be so much more impactful to start
0: in the action next week. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, um, you know the sort of ending of a session is is just as important as that beginning on the action right mm-hmm. so you want to try and try and end with a bang in in some way you know if you're like you mentioned earlier you're you're running this first uh, minds of Fendelver uh it, adventure and you get up to uh the goblin uh cave and you got the bugbear at the back that you got to fight and you know with that that's kind of a nice like like boss battle for Mm -hmm. the your you know first level players right they get to the end and they're fighting this kind of like goblinoid boss this bugbear and you defeat him and everybody's you know celebrating yay all right awesome you did the thing uh and then you want to kind of wrap up pretty quickly after that typically speaking Mm -hmm. like you don't want to just let things kind of linger too long. You want to say, okay, you beat the, ba- the the baddie, here's the equipment that he's got as you loot the body, or here's this other person here that was kind of being held captive by him, and he gives you the bit of information, and that's where we'll end off. Here's with, you know, kind of... uh cut to black or fade to black at that point. Right. Yeah. And I think those other, you know, cliffhangers that I, I mentioned and that you mentioned, you know, the arrow shoots out of the darkness and, and pins you in, in the shoulder there. Um, that the sort of moment of tension can be just as, um, as useful for ending the session, especially if you're planning on running multiple sessions, you know, you're going to run a couple of adventures or you, you have a full fledged campaign that you want to kind of unfurl for your players. Um, that uh that bit that's gonna bring them back and make them hungry to to play you know more, right? Mm.
1: And we've we've gone through a lot of that theory crafting, so hopefully that's uh that that's helped your listeners um you're getting the idea that I mean the the very underlying message is hey it's all it's all good. These are your friends. You know, they they want to have fun with mm-hmm. you, go for it. Um and then yeah if, if you can take away anything else uh from me it's definitely Keep it small scale. Keep it hyper focused, at least mm-hmm. for those first, you know, three encounters. Uh, and as you said, mm-hmm. you know, end, end after that, um, that that boss battle, because you want to end on that high of yeah, we defeated the guy, and and that maybe maybe add a little hook in there, like you hear a voice say, oh my god, you know, is that. You know, Gundren, is that you or something? And have it, the prisoner, you know, they just discover the prisoner mm-hmm. and then we end. Uh, and so that the start of next session, they have a problem, a dying prisoner in front of them or, um, or, or, something, something to focus their attention again at the start of the next session. Uh, you, you might have seen, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> if, if, if your listeners haven't seen, I, I highly recommend Matt Colville as he does a running the game, uh, video series. And one of his is, mm-hmm. one of his things that I've stolen is, at the start of a session, you, you know, so, um, you do, uh, previous, you know, like a previously owned Battlestar Galactica or, or, or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, and you, you ask maybe one of your players or you give like a little bit of a recap. Oh, you saw this and it's like replaying the last moments. You defeated the bugbear and you heard the prisoner call out but, and, and you, you set up the scene to get them back into that, that action. And now, um, you, you have a, a, a dying prisoner. You can you can hear the croak, the, the, the gurgling in his voice. He can't breathe properly. What do you do? And sort of push them into that action again, so they they don't have time to again mm. not know what to do. It's we have a clear goal in front of us right, right. now, save this guy. Mm-hmm. And then once they save him, they can do a bit of role play. You know, their, their options open up again. But I think starting that session <laughs> with as few options as possible, like you need to solve one or two goals right now, um, mm-hmm. especially for new players and new DMs gets you on that railroad a little bit and then it can open up Mm -hmm. into into the world of magic and wonder that we that we know tabletop games can be
0: (laughs) absolutely i I think the um like having just clear goals for your players in general is a like big tip that i would give for all dungeon masters new or old right you want to make sure that what your players are trying to accomplish is as clear as you can make it. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's like, you know, a bit of a mystery that they're trying to unfurl, you don't, maybe don't want to give them every single detail, but they, you you want them to know what they're trying to do at least, right? Whether that be for, you know, the course of this session, we have a goal and the course of these exact moments we have uh, goals as well, right? So it's not just... um the overarching like here's the quest line that you're on right now here are these moment-to-moment goals that you can try to uh, to achieve um that will ultimately sort of lead to this uh this conclusion that i'm trying to bring the story to
1: absolutely and whilst you don't want to give away your plot twist that you've been working hard on and this maybe sort of more intermediary uh, intermediate kind of skill set as you as you've built you know you've Mm. pulled the you know i haven't forgotten about your homebrew and your big big campaign world in that in that (laughs) document you know as you've been weaving those bits in maybe it's been a while since you've mentioned the the necromancer or whatever right because he's actually so far Mm -hmm. down the line but he's going to be relevant tonight Mm -hmm. so when you do a when last we left our heroes or previously on dragon ball z you know, you mm, you give, mm-hmm. you give, ah, like, oh, here's what happened immediately. But you also gave maybe like a bit of the broader context of, you know, sure, mm-hmm. your players should be taking notes and I hope they do. But you also worked hard on this story too. You want to maybe remind them of something that they maybe didn't write down, but they were a part of. So, oh, you know, hey, mm-hmm. hey, Keg, you remember when you did this or, or or you met this person or something like that, you know. And so you, mm-hmm. you drop that seed in previously on, We're all pretty, I I think most of us are are pretty genre savvy, that if you, you know, we've watched enough Netflix to know that, Oh they mentioned that guy from 10 episodes ago
0: he's going to be relevant again this episode. <laughs> he's going to be going to come back in this episode. Yeah. yeah. And you've primed your players. You need to remember what happened with him so that it's uh at the top of our minds when he shows back up.
1: And, and look you don't you don't have to do that by any means you can let it let them come to that conclusion mm-hmm. but I found with especially with newer players who maybe don't understand how to take notes or, or this is their first campaign leading them a little bit and giving them mm-hmm. that, that kind of um that kind of hint that oh you know and you met yeah you know, they went to town and they met the blacksmith and the and the the town cry. You throw right. a couple of things in there and then when they when they mm-hmm. run into the blacksmith again or, or they run into uh they find his hammer or something like that they'll remember oh this must be the blacksmith's mm-hmm. hammer that 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 we were talking to um and and they'll go return it and get their reward or whatever. So um yeah a little thing like that just giving a little previously on and and kind of using that to give them those clear goals as you mm-hmm. mentioned I think is is brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and even for players that are very litigious note takers. You know, they're not necessarily going to have total recall of everything that they've written down at all times, right? Like we mm-hmm. don't very few people actually have the keen mind feet higher <laughs> well, right? So it can just be good to, you know, even though they, you know, they have this in their notes there, let's give them a little bit of a uh, refresher and make sure that they they know that that's something that sort of needs to be towards the front of their mind as they are going into this session here.
1: And, and exactly on that point, as you find, as you play your game, you'll find out which of your players are those note takers and, and and kind of write everything down Mm -hmm. uh one of my players katie they uh um love taking notes write down character names all this kind of stuff always want to know the the name of the npc Mm -hmm. they're talking to which annoys me because i I didn't prepare it Uh, (laughs)
0: it's like i didn't give them a a name let me pull up fantasy name generator exactly yeah Um, (laughs) Uh, look that makes me a better dm because i now know i have to prepare that uh when they're in my game but uh yeah absolutely (laughs) no that's something that i have up every single session now is fantasy name generator because i know i'm gonna throw a, a random NPC and they'll be like, oh, hey, what's your, your name, by the way? And I'm like, I don't – it's it's Frank. All of yeah. the NPCs are Frank. Well,
1: that's that's a, that's <laughs> a blessing and a curse of, of streaming yeah. now uh, that we – so I, I tried to take notes after every game. You know, you don't really have time. Sometimes as mm. the DM to take notes mid-game because you're right in the action. Mm. So I try and remember at the end of a session all the things. Uh, but once we started recording our sessions for Twitch – it was actually very easy for me to go back to VODs and, and, and kind of look oh, over yeah. the ending. It's like, oh, like, what did, was the name of this person? Yeah. How, okay. how did oh, that yeah. session end? Cause we haven't played in a month because of XYZ, mm. you know, schedules. Um, oh yeah, this is what happened. Cool, cool. All right. Let's, let's, I, you know, I, I set myself up. I ended on that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Now I know the clear goal of what the next thing was now that I've had my refresher. Right. Um, and the, and the same thing with, with with character names now, I can pluck a name out of chat mm-hmm. or something like that if I'm really
0: stuck. <laughs> right, for, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, luckily uh, one of my my players, uh, who's our our barbarian Joe, is uh, very very much a, a note taker as well. Mm-hmm. So I often will start sessions up by asking him to um, you know tell us kind of what happened last week, you know catch us all back up. Um, and the other thing that that does as well is it lets me know. You know, what are the, the important things that they've picked up mm-hmm. on? What are the important things that maybe they've missed? And I need to reiterate for them as well. Um, or, you know, what are the things that sort of stand out to them and to the party? And then those are things that I can sort of lean into a little bit more and play up more. Because I think it's you know super vital to, you know, learn learn or notice what things your players are um engaging with Mm -hmm. in the game and then sort of let that take over the majority of the game, right? You know, if the players are really into combat and they're talking about, oh, how we have this really great combat uh, scenario and, you know, we, we put together some really cool tactics and it all worked out really well, then... I know, okay, that was something that was really memorable for them from that, that uh, session. So now I know that we can, you know, put some more instances of those types of combat scenarios in, mm-hmm. their, um, in their way. Um, or if it's, you know, a puzzle or trap or social encounters or whatever it is that they're uh, noticing the most or, you know, having the most fun with, then I can give them more of those things to in- engage with.
1: Absolutely. And you may even find, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this, Mike, where sometimes your players have grasped onto a thing that was insignificant and it was like a throwaway thing. <laughs> you like, oh, you find I this necklace. I have no idea what
0: you're talking about. That's definitely never happened for me in a game ever. <laughs> you find this necklace, you know, in the dungeon or whatever, <laughs> and they're like,
1: wow, well, we need to find out the owner of this necklace. And you just, you know, you didn't even roll on a random table. You just thought the room was a little yep. bit bare. And And mm-hmm. if they're including yep. that in their recap of the previously on you know when last we left our heroes you realize that they've found that super important and so they're going to feel justified Mm -hmm. if you then make that important so Mm -hmm. to your point of figuring out what they've latched on to you know you can you can realize what what they're picking up uh, what well, they're not but also sometimes you may find a plot thread that you hadn't anticipated whereas now they've got the mm-hmm. necklace they mm-hmm. want to return or um you know they have focused on this one character who was looking shady you hadn't given them a second thought they were just window dressing but now mm-hmm. maybe they are the mm-hmm. corrupt mayor or whatever sneaky or, or you know an assassin right. or something and you can kind mm-hmm. of retroactively reward them for being clever even though they weren't. Um, if that makes sense. That's real yeah. sneaky 4D a- chess, but... <laughs> I think.
0: Yeah. Any, any DM worth their salt is going to take the ideas that their players spin out as far as plot points and then make them plot points. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, yeah we had uh, you know we had a joke
1: this one of my players he plays this bard, Barnaby, Barnaby the beautiful bard and
0: mm, excellent name
1: of course and you know he was so yeah you know, as most people are with their first character he was so enraptured by his character he's like no if, if he dies i'm just gonna stop playing and we're joking about like oh what about his brother tarnaby right you know um tarnaby the bard. <laughs> right. he's like oh look tarnaby's a good and you know we we sort of ran with the joke like oh yeah tarnaby's a good bard but he's not as good as barnaby and and so on <laughs> and we joked right. about it at the table and then it became for me oh shit you know he's got a lot, like now I'm gonna put into this world that he has an older brother named Tarnaby. Uh just from that, that mm, weird mm-hmm. conversation we had or, or whatever. Uh who is also a bard and they're always rivals or something, right? Like the the near twin brother. Mm-hmm. Um so so yeah, listen to your players and, and kind of hear what they're interested in, what they're latched on about, and even the jokes that they use as throwaway jokes, whilst you know, they might yeah. get latched onto some throwaway description that you you put out there you can then take a throwaway description that they put out there and and turn it around on them as well. So it's fair play all around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that as much. Like, I do stuff like that, but I hadn't thought about how it is that nice little uh riposte uh, if you will yeah. of you know they try and come up with you know threads based on throwaway descriptions of mine i'm going to do the exact same thing to them yeah so. turn it around on them i that's
1: and that's look it. they'll they'll have fun and, and laugh with it i think and most most players will go along with it um i mm-hmm. it, it, you'll and you'll run into all kinds of different players My, the one i mentioned before katie the the note taker they sent this huge google doc of their character's backstory and mm-hmm. you know oh, this no. half orc oh, adopted by elvish parents mm-hmm. and you know had all these siblings and they were treated poorly and, and that one of the siblings was okay and, and then they got caught up in a gang and blah 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 and that was great and i went okay this is brilliant i'm i'm gonna steal all this and you know weave this into the Water mm-hmm. Water dragon heist part of this campaign and Yeah, the different gangs that they were, or the different friends that they had are now part of different gangs in the city or something, right. Create that tension. Mm, mm -hmm. But then you'll also have other players who tell you like, Oh yeah, I was a keg that sat in a basement for a thousand years. I have no backstory. (laughs) And you you have to go, okay, um, fine. Okay. Maybe you're not going to get the weird deep cuts
0: that, that this other character is, but you know, we can work on something Mm -hmm. together from it. And, uh, and yeah f- find ways to have fun with their story you know moving forward yeah. not necessarily pull on threads from their past but give them things to interact with and engage with and then use those to um you know pull them along string them along or whatever you want to do and don't
1: worry if your players haven't got a backstory right they they can come up with a, an epic mm-hmm. backstory beyond ah oh. oh, me and me and this person worked together on a boat together for a bit and that's kind of it because mm-hmm. Your, their backstory is going to become that first couple of sessions that you run. The, the, mm-hmm. the Fandelva kind of area, the, um, you know, is it Whitehaven or something like that in, in the Witcher? You know, that's kind of the backstory of your character, that, that tutorial town. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they may not make it out of that one even alive, but if the dice don't go well for them, but at the very least their, their character right. will build from that point. So, so, uh, going back to sort of earlier in the, in the chat when i say put aside some of that you know crazy world building history backstory for for now because the dice and, and some of the storytelling and what what your players like will dictate a little bit of uh of the story you're going to tell going forward anyway and uh, i'd hate for you to have this crystallized version of your world that doesn't uh isn't compatible with the players you have at your table mm. um get a feel for them merge it well with your story and then kind of uh put them together later on those first couple of sessions you know feel it feel them out feel out the characters and get a feel for the players Mm -hmm. around the table which one's the note taker which one's the one that loves combat which one's the one that just wants to get loot all that kind of stuff
0: right awesome well yeah a lot of really really great tips today dan and i think you know, any of our listeners, I, I hope that they have uh, taken a lot away from this episode, and I hope we've inspired some of our you know, listeners who maybe were players or who haven't ever gotten into d themselves to, uh, you know, pick up the, the mantle of that Dungeon Master or Game Master uh, role there and, and roll with it. Um, so, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, I guess, you know, any uh, before we kind of wrap things up here or in order to wrap things up here, I guess, um, any any sort of like parting words of wisdom, summarizing, you know, your many years of experience down into a couple of a couple <laughs> of sentences here. <laughs> what are you going to leave the uh, the audience off with?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, and I'm going to steal actually from you and then that is going to highlight um, my point. So uh, I would say steal from the best. Go out and, and watch, <laughs> um, watch everyone what what they do, and then take from them. In fact, I'm looking at the notes you wrote up for this game. It says, "Stay loose and have fun." I think that's a great uh, a great thing to do, and I'm going to pretend like that that was my advice. And not Mike's advice. I'm going to
0: pretend like I wrote that initially and didn't steal that from uh, Alex uh, from Two's cast a couple of weeks ago. So. Exactly, right? <laughs> so, so your players,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, and they'll know in some circumstances you're taking from Lord of the Rings or some sort of genre or something like that. But mostly they'll, they'll play yeah. along with it because everything is is inspired by something else. Um, and then sometimes you'll do a thing that you think is really cool and they'll say, oh, wow, that's just mm-hmm. like on Critical Role. And you're like, I've never watched it i'm sorry um but it's obviously a cool the seed of the idea was really cool and so i think it's fine to you know Mm -hmm. listen listen to the um uh this podcast and listen to other podcasts and go okay what what are the best bits of that that really work well with my campaign or or the story i want to tell or the game i want to run i'm going to take those ideas and make them you know massage them until they're my own um so you know go listen to to matt colville go read the stuff i write Go 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 watch videos uh, elsewhere watch more podcasts read more books take from the starter sets the stuff you like discard the stuff you, you just don't think will fit for you and then go from there because at the end of the day it's your game and you're going to know your players mm-hmm. at that table way better than we ever could um, and and they're going to adapt to what you want to do and the kind of game you want to play uh a lot better than
0: bit about nonfiction gaming at the top um but i just like to you know kind of give you the floor here to let our listeners know you know how can they get in touch with you how can they find out other things that you've been doing and and you know interact with you more as well
1: oh thank you very much um yeah so
0: nonfictiongaming.com is uh is, is where all my writing
1: goes and we also put episodes of our our live streams and things on there uh as we talked about at the top of the show, there is an article on there. Is how to how to turn the Hangover into a one-shot Star Wars adventure. Um, we actually had a, a session where a player couldn't make it, and so I turned the prospect of the Hangover of hey, someone's missing, into a mm-hmm. one-shot uh, game that we could play while we're in Bespin, the Cloud City in D and D. So you know they <laughs> wake up in a Excellent. in a hotel room. There's a giant uh, Nexu cat from attack of the clones in the, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the hotel room with them, et cetera, <clears throat> And they've lost their friend. They need to go find him. And, and so I've laid out in there sort of how I ran that. And it was just some filler. It was essentially a filler session. And so if, if you like any ideas from that, mm-hmm. obviously go steal it. You can look that up on the website. Um the other Absolutely. the other main stuff you can find me uh at Sheriff Dan uh or at NFG Live. I'm sort of managing both those Twitter accounts and uh and if you look up Sheriff Dan on Twitch or Nonfiction Gaming on YouTube, you can catch our, I think currently three different campaigns that we live stream. Um uh, one is Underdark Pirates. They started out with Lost of Mi- Lost Minds of Fandelver as new players. We ran through that mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the stream, episodes split up, and then now they're, uh, in the Underdark. They've got a pirate ship, and they're going around from town to town in the Underdark, uh, One Piece style. Um, and, awesome. uh, and going around there. The fancy lads with the keg and so on, they're currently playing through the Red Hand of Doom, the old third edition adventure, revamped for fifth edition. Uh, and again, just what we've been talking about all, all day taking the best bits of that of that mm-hmm. adventure and going like oh what what can i take from that and kind of weave it into my own story uh and then the other one we're running is uh water deep dragon heist um so mm-hmm. the the typical kind of fifth fifth edition adventure a bit of intrigue a bit of oceans 11 mm-hmm. um so you should be able to find that on youtube i um i have all the faith up- utmost faith in your listeners that they know how to find uh nonfiction <laughs> gaming on youtube and i'd very much appreciate uh if they check us out and said hi
0: yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely throw uh, all those links in the description as well. So uh, if you want to learn more uh, about uh, Dan here, or check out uh, the the shows that he's got going on. Um, check out the uh, the episode description here and you can follow those links or just look him up uh, w- with uh, what he's described there. Um but, uh, yeah thanks so much for for coming and, and hanging out here and uh, for our listeners as always if you want to get in touch with me uh, you can reach us at 19 hits the dragon on Twitter. Uh, you can also email us 19 uh, hitsthedragon at gmail.com um, but also just leaving comments ratings reviews wh- wherever you can wh- wherever you get your podcast there and uh, tell 19 of your closest friends. Um, But yeah, thanks so much for joining us uh, today here, Dan, and thank you to all of our listeners for hanging out with us for a little bit here. Uh, We'll see you all next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye.
1: Cool.